This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Mackie and Judd right now. Yes, and it is an all conspiracy theory opening bell for us today. Right up my alley, wouldn't you say? Two possible conspiracy uh-huh. theories that we're going to dive into in 5, now 4. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? The awkwardness is the Colts had called a press conference for 4 Eastern on Wednesday in which they were going to introduce Josh McDaniels as their next head coach. That press conference has been canceled. We don't know what exactly his reasons are. There's been people who've been talking about it. And everybody has a right to change their mind. Just know that it comes with consequences now as far as people looking at you maybe unfavorably. And you better have a pretty rock-solid situation as far as where you're going to go back to because you've made it very difficult on yourself. All right. So Mm -hmm. ordinarily, we wouldn't start with some national news. We'd start local, right? There's a wild game last night, Gophers game. Uh, We're going to get to a Twins conspiracy. A conspiracy. Conspiracy conspiracy theory. A theory of conspiracies. They're all over the place. Yes. Uh, Conspiracy theory. Yes. In a few minutes here. But Josh McDaniels backed out of the Colts job, uh-huh. which also selfishly takes a home run off the board and write that down for this guy right here. I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, that was the most... I that, did not even realize that until you just brought that up. Was that like a review? The ball looked clearly fair, and then we reviewed it, and the ball actually sailed wide of the foul pole? Like, like what's the equivalent? It's more like a catch. You thought, sure, that's a catch. I mean, there's no way, wait, they overturned it. I mean, it's disappointing. That's what it is. It's disappointing. So they send a press release note out to, to the media and to the world and to fans. My question is, how do you send a press release out without having Josh McDaniel's name in ink on a piece of paper? Isn't that a little? I mean, as much as you think, like, yeah, he's putting together a staff. And don't you want pen on paper before you send out a press release? Hey, we're going to gather at the Colts facility Fans, welcome. We're yeah. going to throw a big party for the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And so was there a level of trust here, too? I mean, McDaniels, because I saw a tweet actually from uh, somebody credible nationally on Sunday saying that there was a chance that McDaniels might pull out of the job. And so did Mike Mc- Florio. Yeah, yeah. And so did... Who, by the way, tap danced on every NFL reporter of, on Twitter last night. Of course night. he did. At one point, he tweeted all caps, bleep it. Like, S-U-C-K. I don't and know if congratulations, I that. Mike. That's fantastic. But my question <laughs> is this. So did they... Did they accept him? Did they accept McDaniel's at his word? And if they did, among the among the don'ts with Belichick people, 
Considering that Bill Belichick once took the Jets job, and I believe the next day came back and said, you know what, on second thought, I'm going to step down as coach, I think that it's probably a bad idea to take Belichick and his people at their word unless, as you just said, you got in writing. Well, so I think something happened middle of the day yesterday. Because according to reports, Josh McDaniels was still talking to the coaching staff he assembled with a bunch of verbal commitments. So he's in the morning yesterday, he's talking to all of his new assistant coaches in Indianapolis. Something happened in the middle of the day to make him pull a 180, a U-turn. I think it's one of two things. You let me know your thoughts on this. Number one, he either found out that Andrew Luck's arm is completely cooked or that Andrew Luck is going to have another surgery. Something related to Andrew Luck's arm is conspiracy theory number one. Okay. That in the lead up to this in the last few weeks... Everything was great. Hey, Andrew's going to work on his throwing motion. Right. Uh, he just needed to rest. There was no need to bring him back last year because the team was a disaster. Uh, but he's feeling good. And then my conspiracy theory number one is it, new information surfaced middle of the day yesterday that either said, yeah, Luck has to undergo another surgery. Which Chris Mortensen reported on Sunday, maybe. Yeah. Right. Or his arm is a lot worse in some form than we thought. And, and here's our course of action. In which case... Because it's not like the rest of the roster is appealing enough to take the job. You would take the job because of Andrew Locke, right? Mm-hmm. Or McDaniels got into a room with Bob Kraft and or Bill Belichick. And one of those two guys, if not both those guys, promised him the New England job either in 2018. And we're going to have an announcement in the next couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Or... After Bill Belichick's contract expires, 2019. Those are my two theories. Because you don't just I like both. pull a 180 in the middle of the day after assembling a staff and a press release. I like both. Out. I like both of your theories, but you have come to the master of conspiracy theories. Fire up the music, please. Josh McDaniels was promised the Belichick job a month ago. The Colts called him. You might recall. The Indianapolis Colts are the team that started the Deflategate proceedings. They are the team that went to the NFL and said, hey, there's something wrong with the footballs, causing Brady to be suspended for four games, causing heartache, causing consternation for Belichick and the Patriots. They said, Josh, what we want you to do, because we're going to pay you really well and you're going to take over for Bill, we want you to go as far down the Colts' path as you possibly can and then say... I can't take the job. I love it. That's the conspiracy theory. That is my favorite. This is a Kraft Belichick troll of the first class. Oh, my God. I hope that you're right. I hope and and I and I hope that Josh and everyone's going to rip Josh McDaniels now because, well, how can anyone ever offer him another job? Well, the Patriots probably will. Right. Because he's loyal as hell. That's why. Take that, Lewis Riddick. He's got the Belichick job. He's had it for a month when Bill steps down. This is all payback for Deflategate. God, that's amazing. I mean, Bill Belichick is one of the most vindictive guys ever, right? Yes. Uh, Didn't he ignore Cleveland's phone calls all year, the last two years, because he didn't want to give Jimmy Garoppolo a franchise quarterback to the team that kind of screwed him over 20, 25 years ago, moved to Baltimore? Right, but it's even a new... Yes, he is. So he he holds these little grudges. And Robert Kraft does, too. Yeah. If Bill Belichick is willing for whatever, we're, we're hearing maybe two or three different reasons for Malcolm Butler 
one of their best defensive players not playing in the Super Bowl in a game in which, by the way, you got carved by Nick Foles and company. Give up 41 points and 500 yards of total offense. If you're thinking about like vindictiveness, whatever it was, he drew a line in the sand and said, my best defensive player or one of my two or three best defensive players isn't going to play because, damn it, this is my show. Mm-hmm. He's very easily capable of doing what you just laid out, saying, all right, Josh. Okay, Josh. Yeah. We're going to screw the Colts. Uh-huh. Go as far down this path. I love it. Oh, my God. Take the job. Yes. Take the job. And and Belichick, <laughs> smart enough to probably say, here's the one thing you can't do. Don't sign anything. Just verbal agreements. Just verbal together, agreement. Staff. Take the job. Have Ursay, oh, have so Jim Ursay believe that you are taking this job, and I want you to go as far down this path as possible, and then at the last second, pull the plug on him. Do we know who he hired for the staff already? See, I was thinking about that, too. Is it a bunch of guys that they don't really like? It's a couple. Well, there's two guys who have been, including the guy that took the defensive coordinator job, who I think is going to come from Dallas, maybe, who are being assured of their of those jobs. Wouldn't it but be they're not like Belichick every, guys. If, I don't if think every hire came from like some branch they don't of like, vindictiveness yes. from the past, from the Ravens. <laughs> oh, you've hired a bunch of Ravens people. It's so juicy. <laughs> think about it. Does it oh, not work perfectly? God. It's amazing. The ultimate troll job on the team that caused the Patriots, the only team that tried to beat the Patriots, and they did it off the field, really, but the only team that tried to make them look absolutely foolish with Deflategate. And oh. think about think about how long Deflategate, like, if Deflategate happened to any of us, we'd be bitter for a long time. Yeah. The Patriots, their bitterness knows no boundaries. Like, yeah, here's how unappealing this Colts job is now. If you're if you're somebody else, and now they have to, they're going to have a press conference in like an hour. <laughs> And they have to go back to the drawing board. I can't wait for this press conference, by so the way. So not only have the assistant coaches all basically, they've been hired by Josh McDaniels, and there's a report that most of them are going to stay because like their teams have probably hired other coaches yeah. to fill their spots, right? Yes. Uh, Andrew Luck hasn't played in two seasons or in a year and a half, whatever the math is on that, and is apparently, if he doesn't have surgery, going to try to overhaul his throwing mechanics. This Good luck with that. Yep. Underhand? Yeah. <laughs> The rest of the roster is a dumpster fire. It's going to look like a fast pitch pitcher. <laughs> like oh. those dodgeball players? Yeah. Like we all had a Fayette teacher who threw underhand like yeah. a slope, like a softball pitcher. Oh. Uh, oh, and the owner is a Looney Tune. Yeah. A total yeah. Looney Tune. Yeah. And and before before we feel too bad for, for the Colts, let's keep, uh, keep in mind that uh, Jim Ursay's father, Robert, moved the Baltimore Colts out of town in the middle of a snowstorm in the middle of the night. So before we start to feel too bad about, oh, the Colts got screwed. I really, this is terrible what happened to them. No, they moved a heritage NFL franchise out of Baltimore in the middle of the night. I don't feel bad for anybody. Yeah. All right, so that's conspiracy theory number one here. It's an all-conspiracy theory opening bell. Ding, ding. Big pitch coming. 3 nothing Twins. Yankees threatening. And the pitch rocked to right field. Tie game. Hit hard. So it was announced yesterday, the twin star, number one, a starting pitcher until they sign somebody else or until Jose Barrio steps up. Irvin Santana going to undergo surgery on his the middle finger of his throwing hand. Uh, I don't know if you have the technical description of what the exact procedure a is. Cap, a capsular release debridement procedure to his right third finger MCP joint. Right. Okay. That's what you got. 
So Irvin Santana is going to have surgery. Now, this is something that they knew about maybe even late last season. This is like 13 years of being a professional pitcher and calcification, and it's it's not something that just happened last week on a jet ski or something, They knew right? about it when he left the team right. after the season. Yes, absolutely. So the Twins have been engaged in conversations with you, Darvish, the entire offseason. By the way, we're trying to track down someone from the Twins front office to talk to them about a million different things here. But Irvin Santana has a 2019 option that vests at 200 innings pitched in 2018, all right? Mm-hmm. That's a $14 million option at age 36 for 2019 mm-hmm. that only vests if he gets to 200 innings in 2018. So what are you thinking? Now, the Twins could have had this surgery. It's like a 10- to 12-week recovery. They could have had the surgery back in mid-October, November, yep. and then he's back for spring training. Now he's going to miss maybe two to four weeks in the regular season. He's going to be out Probably through at least April, maybe even into May. Is it a coincidence that a report came out a couple weeks ago? You Darvis looking for more money, more term, and waiting for teams to clear payroll room. In other words, for 2019 payroll room. If you're looking at the Twins roster up and down, and you got a bunch of contract extensions maybe coming up, 2019, 2020, a bunch of young hitters, right? Buxton, Sano, all these guys, Rosario. You got Joe Mauer's $23 million coming off the books, 2019. And you, Darvish, is like, ugh, really? I mean, I'm interested, but I got the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Twins, the Brewers over here, and someone's got to step up. I need a little more money. Mm-hmm. Did the Twins purposely wait until late in the offseason, assuring that they wouldn't sabotage their season? Like, hey, he'll be back in May. Yeah, It ain't going to be a disaster. He'll be back in May, but he's not going to get to 200 innings. Therefore, his $14 million option for 2019 doesn't vest. So you are suggesting that um, in the exit interview process, Santana came in, the doctors examined him, and the doctors went to young Derek and Thad and said, hey, he needs this surgery that that I can't pronounce because it's so long and convoluted, but it's not that big a deal. Should we do it? And Derek and Thad said, and they got together and talked a little bit. We can rehab that for a couple months. Let's just wait. Let's just wait. I actually... You would never get them to admit this, of course. Oh, they couldn't admit but one hundred, But 100,000%, I'm actually buying this one completely. This is one of the smartest front offices now in baseball. Like This is this went from being kind of bottom five, behind the times, understaffed. The guy who does their contracts, Daniel Adler, we were talking to Royce about this. The guy has like multiple degrees from Harvard. This is a forward-thinking, smart front office. They're not going to be obvious about some of these moves, but they used the disabled list last year as a taxi squad. Yeah. Oh, you know what? One of our relievers threw 45 pitches and eh, he's got a bit of a finger problem. And and to take your uh, conspiracy theory beyond Darvish, could it be as simple as this? They looked at the season that Irv had last summer and they said, you know what? Our, Our analyses of that season tell us it's not going to happen again. If he happens to pitch uh, 200 innings in 2018 into 19, Even less we are going. We are going to probably get what very well could be a broken down starter who we're going to have to pick up the option at 14 mil, 
So forget the Darvish thing for a second. They might have just made this decision on, on the face of what they expect from Santana this summer into next year. And a contract that they didn't sign to begin with, by All the right. way. In fact, to Devious. what you just said, let's dive more into that. There's, there's more on the conspiracy theory bone there. Uh, we'll... We're going to try and track down someone from the Twins front office to see if we can get, to get some, to confirm this. some answers on So you did things. this, right? Right? There's zero chance they'd be able to say that, but <laughs> makes some sense. I don't know if we want him reaching 200 innings. We want some more control over what we do with Irvin Santana in 2019. Uh-huh. Now, I'm sure there's going to be more reckless Viking speculation throughout the show today. Uh, Doogie's going to join with a scoop in the noon hour. Let's first talk about this 55-inch beast of a TV that's in our studio. It's a TCL TV. America's fastest growing TV brand. TCL TV is paying it back to you guys, the audience, as well. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to experience the TCL theater boxes at Target Center for a Wolves game, it's the best viewing experience in a revamped arena. And you can get tickets for a late March game against the Memphis Grizzlies, March 26th, by just going to 1500ESPN.com and entering the keyword TCL. Now, this is the most coveted new offering in the world of premium seating. These TCL theater boxes offer dramatic views, VIP experiences unlike any other, five-star cuisine, a lounge area, oversized chairs, and one of the best teams in the Western Conference, obviously, the Minnesota Timberwolves, which we'll talk about later on in the show here. Again, if you want tickets, 1500ESPN.com. Enter the keyword TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Mackie and Judd now continue. I want you to do it. The good Lord wants you to do it. You really think so? I know so. On 1500 ESPN. Big pitch coming. 3-0 Twins. Yankees threatening. And the pitch rocked to right field. Boy, I think we might both be onto something with our Colts and Twins conspiracy theories. Well, these conspiracy theories, theories are very, very solid. Uh, by the way, Thad yes. Levine, Twins GM, will join us in about 10 or 15 minutes. We'll get to the bottom of all this. <laughs> Actually, there's a lot of things about to talk about. How about conspiracy theory, Thad? What do you think about right. this one? He will not be able to talk about that. But uh, you know, free agency, you Darvish is still out there, uh, Irvin Santana, the surgery and stuff, all kinds of things to get into. So you brought up you know, one other angle here. Whether it has anything to do with the twins delaying the you know the process for surgery or not, Irvin Santana does have a vesting option for 2019 at 14 million dollars mm-hmm. if he pitches 200 innings this year. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to now. Right. I mean, there's almost no way he'll be able to, if he misses the first month. There's almost no way he'd pitch 200 innings. And just for context, he pitched uh, 211 last year in 33 starts. Yes. So, and I believe the Twins are hoping. They uh, on a conference call yesterday. I think Falvey said the earliest he might be back is late in April, but probably May first. So he is not right. going to get there. You're correct. So, like the conspiracy theory aside, if you're putting yourself inside the mind of anyone in this new Twins front office, it's a very analytically savvy front office now, which is strange to say. It's the first time we can say that in a long time, maybe ever, with the Twins. They hired Josh Kalk, for instance, one of the big time analytics pitching guys from the Rays, and help with the development of big-time raise pitchers the last 10 years. Uh, Daniel Adler. So there's some big-time analytical minds in that front office that complement the eye test and the scouting acumen of guys that are already in the organization, the Mike Radcliffe's and guys like that. So it's not lost upon these people that Irvin Santana's peripherals and some of the analytics from last year that would tell you he was pretty fortunate to have a 3.28 earned run average. 
you and I were talking about this before the show. There's something called fielding independent pitching. It's like an expected ERA. If you were to take out, like if you were to have neutral defense or, you know, if you were to neutralize the ballparks you pitch in, for instance, and if you were just to, to level the playing field and just grade a pitcher based on what he can control. So how much contact does he allow? Is he getting strikeouts? Is he walking a lot of hitters? Is he giving up home runs? Those are the things a pitcher can control. A lot of times, I mean, hard contact, soft contact, mm-hmm. you can control some of that too, obviously. Um, Irvin Santana, for his career, and most pitchers fall in line over the course of five or ten years when everything levels out over a large sample size, your expected ERA is going to be about the same as your real ERA over the long haul. But there might be discrepancies in small sample sizes that can tell you information. So Irvin Santana's career ERA is 402. His expected ERA is 420. So it's pretty close, right? Like he's he that that probably tells you he had some good defenses behind him in uh in in his Angels days. The Twins obviously had a great defense last year. And so his expected ERA is a little bit higher because he's taken advantage maybe of some great defenses or whatever. Okay. Well, last year the gap was huge. His real ERA was 328. Mm-hmm. And he deserves credit like he pitched well. But his expected ERA was four and a half because he left more guys on base. He pitched so well with runners on base, uh-huh. better than he ever has in his entire career. He left he left eighty percent of base runners on that you know that he put on base, right. but but stranded them. Uh, an analytically savvy front office would tell you, credit, awesome, that's great, but not going to be probably sustainable. not sustainable. Yeah. You know, it's like the year where Delman Young hit 400 with runners in scoring position or something absurd. Like, hey, that's awesome. Yep. I don't think that's going to be possible to repeat that. And so these guys are looking at him and saying, yeah, he's 30, 35 years old, probably going to regress in a lot of different ways in 2018. Once again, we didn't sign him. Right. Maybe don't need to have him around for 2019. I'm just doing some math. Just doing some math. So here's what I don't get from the Santana and and his camp, and, and this is what I never understand uh, about players uh, unless unless they think that the procedure or surgery might end your career on the table. Why don't you tell them? You know what, guys, do the surgery. Like this sounds, it's a ten to twelve week period, but it doesn't sound all that big. He is what thirty five right now, so. What I don't understand is if you're Santana, why don't you say, you know what, let's do this um, two weeks after the Yankees loss. That's going to give me recovery time, more than enough time. I'll be throwing by December at some point. I'll be ready to go in January. And when pitchers and catchers report a week from now, I'll definitely be set. I don't understand this whole thing of, let's just, yeah, you know what? Let's just try the re- rehab route. I mean, how many times do you hear that successful? How many? And this was not that big of a deal. Like, he has now postponed the start of his season and cost himself an option when he really should have just said, you know what, Derek, that really like you guys, but I'm doing the surgery. And then it's done. Yeah. And, and, I don't and understand. Obviously, that. Like, you can't force a guy to get surgery, too. Like, if a guy wants to rehab, I mean, that's. No, but my point is, why doesn't the player in this case actually be proactive yeah, no, and I... say, it's not that big a deal? I'll just do it. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree. I'm looking on, on your conspiracy theory, which I love. Like, I, Josh McDaniels backed out of the Colts job yesterday after he had assistants that he was putting together a staff. His assistants all signed contracts <laughs> with the Colts, he didn't. <laughs> 
It's it's so diabolical. So either he found out something new about Andrew Luck's throwing shoulder yesterday and said, oh, my God, another surgery or, oh, that doesn't sound good. I'm out. Or Belichick and or Rob Kraft cornered him, told him, listen, you're the next guy after Belichick's done, which could either happen right now and we don't know about it or next year. Or to your point, they said long ago or a month ago, mm-hmm. why don't you go take that Colts job? They're the ones that reported us for Deflategate. Mm-hmm. Go hire a bunch of coaches and put them in a bad spot. Screw them over. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking up some of these coaches just for fun. Let's see here. Matt Eberfluss was hired to be the defensive coordinator for Josh McDaniels and the Colts. Yeah. He coached for the Browns for two years in 2009, 2010. Always on the tree, the tree of hatred. Uh, Dave DeGuglielmo. Yeah, that's sure. Offensive line coach was hired to be the offensive line coach for the Colts. Now, he did coach on the Patriots staff for a couple years, like 2014, 15, and then went to take a job with the Chargers. Mm hmm. As an assistant offensive line coach, so it looks like they, looks like he took a demotion with another organization after leaving the Patriots. Oh, there might have been some internal didn't strife. On, didn't live on good terms. Yeah, and also coached for the Jets and the Dolphins. Oh, couple of rivalries. Oh, oh this is. Did they perfect. put together a staff of like Patriots rivals or old foes like the Browns? Stuck them on the Colts, made them sign contracts, and McDaniel's backed out. Does the vindictiveness go that deep? This, yes. This is the National <laughs> Football League equivalent of a mafia hit. That's what this is. This is, uh, Josh, if you want really want to be part of the family for a long time, if you want to be the Don of the Patriots, here's what you got to do. I got another one for you here, all right? So one of the other coaches that signed, his name is, let's see here, is it Mike Fair, P-H-A-I-R? Uh, Mike Fair. Signed on to be one of Josh McDaniel's assistant coaches. He coached from 2005 through 2010 with another Patriots foe, the Seattle Seahawks. This is all fitting together perfectly. (laughs) They assembled a coaching staff of people that they hated. They, they, had went down a a, they had a list of Seahawks, Jets, Browns. It's like the Belichick vindictive list. There's got to be a couple Giants connections on there somewhere. Put them all, put them all together. This is in a bottom drawer. In a big this is in a, pot of stew. This is in a bottom drawer, this entire plan in Foxborough somewhere. <laughs> in someone's office, this entire plan. An entire list of blacklisted names that yep. they wanted to get back. All because you couldn't admit you just took the air out of a couple footballs. <laughs> yep. Or Andrew Luck's arm was amputated yesterday afternoon, and the public's going to find out sometime soon. That could be the case. Here's the thing with the luck, with the luck uh, part of the conspiracy theory. If you're Josh McDaniels and you got friends in the league, you've known, you could have known for two weeks how bad that, that arm is. This is definitely, this is definitely more about him being promised the Patriots job. But I do think it'd be fun if they said a month ago, Josh, the job is yours. You're 41. You like it here. We like you. We're all a family here. So what I want you to do is go kill the Colts. You know what, too? It's possible that Belichick, we all watched that documentary last week, that he's thinking back to the botched handoff with the Giants where Parcells waited four months to announce his retirement or resignation, and Belichick took the job with the Browns. And yep. maybe Belichick is saying, you know what? I love me some Josh McDaniels, and I don't want the same thing to happen. Like, I don't want... I don't want the Giants to go in the, you know, the Giants went in the crapper for like 10 or 15 years. 
I want to make sure the Patriots stand strong, even though I hate Robert Kraft and Tom Brady. Like, I love the Patriots and the Patriots fans, so I'm not going to let the same thing happen to my most valued no. assistant. No, no, it's better than that. <laughs> it's a double It's a double turn. Belichick knows McDaniels is not a, a good head coach. Belichick is setting up McDaniels to take the job, to screw it up beyond belief, to screw Robert Kraft. It's a double turn. What if Andrew Luck's arm is actually just fine? He signed the big deal last year, six years, $140 million. Brady says what? He wants to play four, five more seasons? Maybe the deal is McDaniels takes over. They've already got Luck agreed to come to the Patriots to succeed Brady when Brady wants to be done. McDaniels is on board of Brady. Wow. So many possibilities. Oh! There is no end to where this could so go. So many possibilities. Wow. There's no end to where this could go. Beautiful. I think it's fantastic. Thad Levine, Twins general manager, (laughs) will join us when we come back. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. You don't seem like a public menace to me. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd, back with you here. We'll get a scoop with Doogie later on. Uh, Ricky Rubio, you won't believe. You won't believe a ranking that came out regarding Ricky Rubio. We'll get to it at the top of the hour. Well, you might believe it. I'll believe anything when it comes to it. You shouldn't believe it. Let's talk to Twins general manager Thad Levine here. Uh, the Twins sent out a list of uh, spring training invites. So spring training is on the horizon. We're past football season. Uh, Thad, first things first, we're going to ask you a bunch of questions that you probably can't answer about you, Darvish, and stuff. But we just want you to know, if nobody else in the room appreciated it, me and Judd stood and clapped for your Sheila E. Prince joke at the Diamond Awards. We thought it was funny. Far too kind, gentlemen. I, I really appreciate it. I play to a small audience, typically, and I heard a few rogue laughs out there, and that's all I needed to energize me. Good, good. good for yeah. you. Yeah, some blank stares. Stick with your stuff, laughs. Fab. It was good. Um, so can you can you explain the Irvin Santana thing? It, was there any consideration to uh, either on his part or the team's part to have surgery earlier in the year so that he wouldn't have to miss time during the season? What Take us through that process, if you will, please, Thad. Yeah, you know, when you get this this news uh, late in the off season, especially as we're about to turn the corner and go go, go down to Fort Myers, it's it's really unfortunate timing. But the reality is, from a medical standpoint, this played out exactly as as it was supposed to. Uh, he had a injury that he sustained at the end of last season, and it really wasn't an acute injury, which is to say, no one thing uh, was the cause of this. It was just kind of a cumulative buildup. Of, of a little scar tissue on his middle knuckle of his of his right middle finger, and we were instructed that with some R and R over the course of the off season that the, the swelling should subside and should not be an issue. And quite frankly, all the way through Twins Fest, he started throwing some bullpens. At that point, he wasn't really feeling that much discomfort. Uh, he started feeling a little bit more uh, when he started throwing some sliders, and it was that when I think that's when we realized that this wasn't entirely resolved and we needed to take care of it. So, you know, you, surgery is always the last resort. It was in this instance. It was the right call at the right time. Uh, but unfortunately, now we're going to be without his services through spring training in the first part of the season. But as I think all uh, championship caliber teams do, this could be a galvanizing moment as somebody's going to get a chance to step up and help this team for the first, you know, four to six weeks until Irvin's back and ready to roll. How serious is the procedure, uh, Thad, and when is the expected return date for him uh, to realistically start again? So he, he was seen by Dr. Malone in New York, who's one of the foremost hand specialists in the United States, and uh, the, the prognosis coming out of the surgery was very positive. 
there was an obstruction in there, and it was it was alleviated, and it was really a buildup of of a calcium deposit or some scar tissue. Uh, and so his range of motion is almost immediately significantly better. Uh, and I think as we learned through his ramp up process, it was impacting him probably most on his secondary pitches, which for him is his one of his key pitches is a slider. So we, we're being told right now that sometime between the end of April and the beginning of May is when we should expect to see him towing a rubber back at the major league level. And so uh, that's what we're going to shoot for, but really early to, to, to predict on that front, considering he literally just had the surgery yesterday. Sure. Are, are the Twins uh, still in on you at this point, uh, Thad? And also, when do you expect a decision to, to be made there, considering that uh, we are so close to pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training camps? I, I just think there's been so much talked about this offseason about how slow these markets have unfolded. And, you know, you, we've talked a lot about the free agent market, but I can tell you from our personal experience, the trade market may be even slower than the, the free agent market. It's so hard to predict just because, you know, I think we all thought it was going to be sometime after the Otani discussion, a lot of these big name free agents would sign. And then usually you point to the holidays and guys want to know where they're going to be. And then certainly in January, but it's an unprecedented amount of players. It's an unprecedented amount of quality players still in the marketplace uh, where most of our players are already down in Fort Myers starting to work out in advance of reporting here on the 13th and the 18th. So really t- tough to, to, to really prognosticate as to when these markets are going to break, but it, it's got to happen soon. I mean, we're, we're looking at the board. We know we still have holes on our team. We're trying to get a little bit more aggressive and trying to do our part to dislodge some of this. But so far we, we, we've been working hard to not to the avail we had hoped for on the, on the starting rotation, but we're going to continue to make every effort there. I mean, it, once you Darvish signs, does that, is everyone else waiting on him to set a market of some kind? T- tough to tell, but I, you know, I, I think that sometimes is a little bit of a misguided notion that there's a immediate domino effect or cascade down when the guy at the top of the market signs. I don't know if it always happens that way. Uh, you know, it's not exactly a, a series circuit where you take one light out and all the lights will go out and put, put it back in and all the lights are working. Uh, you know, I think teams do delineate between tiers of players. So I think if he does sign, maybe the, the upper tier will sign. I'm not sure how much that would still impact the middle and, and the, the lower tiers of starting pitchers that are still in the market. Do you think there's still a chance he wears a Twins uniform in 2018? You know, it's, I, I don't want to talk too much specifically about any one negotiation we're having uh, ongoing right now. I, I would just tell you that, you know, between Derek, myself, and Rob Anthony, we, we've been in constant dialogue with the majority of free agents that we believe could discernibly impact our franchise for 2018 and beyond. And uh, we will continue to have those conversations until those guys are either wearing twins jerseys or signed elsewhere. Uh, What is your professional theory on why the market has been so weird and so slow? Uh, Because, you know, we've now gotten to a point where, where, as you said before, there's a lot of guys left and, and the action still, despite the fact that we're so late in the game here, seems to be pretty minimal. Well, you know, I think it's. I think there are some unique elements to this market. I, I do think the fact that Shohei Otani was a free agent at the beginning of the market was very unique, uh, just in so much as like that literally all 30 teams could afford him and were pursuing him. So I think that led to a little bit of a slow start to the market. So the front end of the market, you know, it's not usually fast paced, but we didn't really see too many signings early on before he ultimately made the decision to sign with the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, then secondarily, you also had uh, Giancarlo Stanton, the reigning NL MVP, who was 
uh, being put up for bid. And, you know, that, that was a very unique element to the marketplace. And then what happened after that with the Miami Marlins relative to, you know, it seemed as if every other week they were putting another uh, almost all-star caliber player out to market. I think that uh, probably slowed the market down to a certain extent. Why we're still sitting here in February with close to 100 major league quality players on the market, I, I really I, I can't tell you definitively. I think it's a confluence of a lot of different things. Uh, so I, I don't know ultimately why, why that is the case. I think it got started a little bit slow. It doesn't certainly explain why it's still so slow on the back end. Yeah. Thad Levine, Twins GM, is with us here on Mackie and Judd. There was a story in December uh, that said, this is from uh, CBSSports.com, that Scott Boris brought a 75-page binder to meetings with teams for one of his clients. I think it was Jake Arrieta. Have you ever been in a room with a Scott Boris binder in your career as a GM? And what's that like? I have been, you know, I, I think, I think there's a lot of commentary around Scott and, and even, you know, some of his um, more, more esteemed colleagues on, on the agent side. Uh, one thing I will say uh, about Scott Morrison relative to a, a large binder like that, his group works tirelessly on behalf of his clients, uh, you know, however, and wherever they sign, I think, you know, pe- people can assess that as they see fit, but, there's no denying that he works exceptionally hard for his guys and presents very compelling arguments as to why certain players may be very good fits for you. And I think one thing he does as well as anybody is he tailors it specific to, to, to each team. So it's not necessarily the same information for each club. He, he does uh, tireless research on how a player can fit specifically into the fabric of a, of a team, how he could elevate that specific team. So, uh, his, his his binders are extremely impressive, extremely compelling, and I think meant to uh, convince GMs to potentially do something that they otherwise hadn't thought were, were the best decisions in that offseason. And I think in a lot of cases he's prevailed in that regard because his information is is you know that inspiring at times. That's nice, but he's got to be a pain, right? <laughs> Come on, when a guy comes in with a binder and puts it down and says, you got to sign my guy for, for six years, it's got to be a pain in the butt, Dad. Well, you know, your, your first reaction is sometimes, wait a minute, is this guy kind of positioning that he knows our team and our situation better than we do? Uh, and then you get to about page 48 of, of page 75, and you're like, wait a minute, there are actually some pretty, pretty decent points in here. So you don't want to yield that for sure when you're talking to him. Uh, but certainly we've walked out of some of those meetings with, with some different opinions than maybe we did walking in. I like the binder better than a PowerPoint because like staring at a screen just for, for 75 pages is too aggressive. I a binder from a guy telling me about my players. <laughs> Bleep you, uh, they're how, my players. How is, Thad, how is Miguel Sano? Well, two things. Any any update from the league on, on Miguel Sano and the investigation? Then how is his recovery and uh, prep work coming along? We're still in the same spot on the investigation, which is to say it's our understanding Major League Baseball is working diligently on that. Uh, we we you know, kind of stand out of the way on that process, and they will update us as they have material information to share, and we will, we will obviously uh, comply with whatever their rulings are. But to the best of our knowledge, that is still ongoing. And then with regards to his health, uh, a lot of promising signs. Uh, we, we have hired – uh, two additional trainers to work with head trainer Tony Leo uh, this offseason and Masa Abe and Tony Biancuso, Matt Biancuso, I'm sorry, and they're both down in uh, Fort Myers and at various times this offseason and have worked directly with uh, with Miguel and I think to a lot of positive results. So right now the leg is, is pretty much full go. 
uh, what we are now working on is the conditioning just because the time off of his leg, uh, we, we just need to make sure he's in the proper condition so that we don't put any other body parts in jeopardy at the outset of spring training. So he may be a little bit behind starting spring training. The encouraging thing is it seems as if the leg is holding up quite well at this time. We just need to work a little bit on his conditioning uh, before he'll be full go to participate in drills and, and ultimately in games. Is it is it fair to say, like, I guess my thought on him is he's already, you know, when he's on the field, he's one of the, the better offensive talents in the league. He hits home runs, he drives in runs, and, um, like, he, he can work a count, but he also strikes out in more than a third of his plate appearances. And I feel like at age 25 going into this season, this is a pretty big year to show durability. Are you a third baseman long term? Um, I mean, all these things, This it, it feels like he could be one of the star players in the league and be one of those multi-category guys who maybe sticks at third base, or he could just settle in at uh, you know the highest strikeout rate in baseball and miss a month on the disabled list, and maybe you have to be moved away from third base. I mean, are you? Is it fair to say that this is a pretty important time for him with the Twins organization? I, I think he nailed it. I, I think you know, there's he's at a bit of a crossroads right now, where going down one path will lead him to absolute greatness. The other path, I think he'll still be. A, an exceptional player, but maybe not quite as dimensional as he as he could be. When I met him for the first time uh, down in the, the opening of our Dominican Academy, I, I just said to him, based upon the scouting reports that I that I was witness to when when I worked for the Texas Rangers, is when he was younger, we felt he had the ability with his hands and with his arm to be an above average defender, and that's the way I saw him. I saw him as a complete player, <clears throat> and I know you referenced to kind of being a little bit more complete offensively. But I think I think it's on both sides of the ball. I think it's it's easy to look up and say that this guy could be a DH or a first baseman in a year or two and be a presence in the middle of the order, but really more of a power presence. I think the sky's the limit in terms of how he can contribute on the ball field, and we're going to do everything we can to put resources around him to give him every chance to be as complete a player, both while he's in the batter's box, but also when he's doing things outside of that, running the bases, uh, playing third base, because I think that's the difference between him being an extremely good player and an elite player in the game. So, uh, Thad, I, I saw some uh, pace of play news recently that got me very excited because of this. Judd gets very excited potential, with pace of play headlines. Potential, potential for bullpen cars or carts starting in 2018. Are the Twins a candidate to have a to have a golf cart drive the guy in from the bullpen with a big Twins cap, a big TC cap on top? You know, I'd have to talk to Dave St. Peter about that. I would be 100% beyond, behind that. That was my youth in watching baseball. That was half the fun because you're on my I, age. Yes. Bal- you're a big Baltimore Orioles fan. The, the highlight was that the actual mascot typically drove the bullpen cart in. And so that, that was highly entertaining for kids. So if we want to cut down a few seconds of these guys running in and being gassed when they get to the mound and having to regroup, I'm all for the bullpen cart. I'll drive it. I'll volunteer right now. I'll drive it for free. You need a breathalyzer before you get in the. We don't. We, yeah, we, we don't. We don't need Addison Reed at the at the mercy of Judd. Three three beers deep. Oh my at God! Field. He hit the left fielder. <laughs> he took the left fielder out. Oh my God! All right, Thad Levine, Twins GM. Thank you for uh, for the good stuff, and we'll catch up soon after you make a big splash signing in like three days. All right. My pleasure, guys. Look forward to seeing you guys down in Fort Myers here soon. Sounds right, good. Thanks. See you, Thad. Uh, actually, it might just be Roycey and Derek this year. There's still some. This might we might uh, we might not be going down to Fort Myers. We'll have to I see. I like about that, that trip down to Fort Myers. It's very nice. Maybe I have to we'll stay with have to go down in the there. same hotel room as you, which isn't the greatest thing. But you know what? To be warm, it's okay. Well, why does Derek get to stay with Pat? 
Why can't we stay with? We could bunk up. <laughs> we with can Pat. ask that question. Well, if we if we could stay with Pat, you know, Pat wouldn't care. Go ahead, just uh, sleep on the floor or something. Pat's wife might care, but you know, if she's Pat not there care. for that time period, though, we'd be absolutely fine. <laughs> Let's recap some of the stuff from uh, from that interview with Thad Levine next. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Are you guys ready to have some fun? On 1500 ESPN. 1500 ESPN. Visit St. Paul, the city of St. Paul, and Wells Fargo. Invite you to experience Wells Fargo Winter Skate, a free outdoor artificially chilled ice skating rink in downtown St. Paul at Rice Park. It's open seven days a week and located in the heart of the city. Winter Skate creates a fun winter experience for visitors of all ages. More details can be found at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Thank you, Dave. Thad Levine, good stuff there. That was like a 15-minute session with Twins GM Thad Levine. And, and the way he put it was, yeah, Irvin Santana didn't really start to feel a lot of discomfort until throwing bullpen sliders mm-hmm. in January. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys, they'll shut it down. They won't throw a baseball until maybe December. They Maybe start playing some catch long toss in December and then fire up some bullpen sessions in January. Remember when Liriano did like eight full bullpen sessions going into spring training one year and they just shut him his shoulder got all sore in spring training because he was no, all excited. No, I don't, but that does not sound advisable. So if you don't actually uncork a slider until January, yeah. I could see why you wouldn't know that your finger is. So it puts a wrench into our conspiracy theory. But I still think the Twins would gladly take not paying Irvin Santana $14 million in 2019. Um, the Sano stuff was interesting, too. Yeah, I found that to be... Uh intriguing because you can tell the twins are trying to do everything they can within their power uh, to get the most from him. And they still can't tell if he's going to deliver on that. Yes. The way he put it was, first of all, he agreed with the thought on this show, which is, Hey, so no, he's fine, but he could be so much more. And he's 25 years old. He's been in the league for a while. There's, there's a lack in durability. He swings and misses too much. Is he a third baseman? Probably not at 290 pounds long-term. And Thad said, he has one of two paths he could go down starting this year. Greatness. So maybe perennial MVP candidate. There's no reason. like He's talented enough if he's in shape and if he's on the field. He's talented enough to be a perennial MVP caliber player. Or just being kind of an okay player is what yeah. Thad said. Maybe, you know, maybe he's a power-hitting DH at some point. Mm-hmm. He used the word designated hitter. So he so he threw that out right. there, and that's that's a thing that they're definitely Adam worried Dunn, about. Adam Dunn, basically a good a good version of Adam Dunn. Yeah, and you'll you know what you'll take a guy in the middle of your lineup that just hits home runs and is your designated hitter, but he's still at an age where someone's going to give him if it's not the Twins a bunch of money to be kind of a franchise player, a position player, and that's the decision you have to to make here pretty soon. And you know what he makes it for you. Yes, it's like he makes it, the decision for except you. Except here, here's where it's tough. If you're the twins and and you can make the decision early and it's that he's going to be a DH for life, basically, that's where it goes back to our conversations the past couple months, which is can you spin him off to a team that doesn't yet realize that for pitching, for instance? That's where it's tough. I mean, yes, he's going to make the decision for you, but once that decision is made and everybody realizes it, his value is then set in stone. If you can jump the gun here a little bit and say, okay, we see where this is going and it's not quite what we want or it's not good, can we spin him off to a team that still says, oh, man, the potential's there? Yeah. Like, I think he's a 10 or $15 million player right now. If he was, you know, if you could, you've got him under team control for about $500,000 right now because he's he's still pre-arbitration. I think he's a 10 or $15 million player. He's a, he's a good player. You want him on your team for sure. 
I think he could be a a $30 million player at some point if you knew that he was going to be healthy, if he cuts back on the strikeouts, and if you knew he was going to play third base. Keeps the weight under control. Yeah. There's a big difference between a DH and a third baseman. You know the weird thing about baseball? Baseball is the sport where it's magnified the most. If you're trying to get a read on a player on on what uh, on what they're going to do, especially what type of shape they're going to stay in, in season is the toughest time. Like every other sport in football, the the trouble that lots of guys have is they lose weight. Uh, in hockey and basketball, your sports are you run so much or skate that you don't gain weight. Now, there might be concern during the summer months there for those two sports, but baseball is the one sport where where you could actually assign, it sounds like they might be doing this, three trainers to one guy. Yeah. And in the winter, he gets in halfway decent shape. And then he gets on the scale on July 1st, and you're like, oh, my God, he's 295 pounds. So baseball is the one sport where it's weird. A decision on, on the dedication to the game actually also comes very much in season and not just in the winter. Yeah, and these guys do, you know, they are out there – especially pitchers, like pitchers do a lot of cardio between starts. And so they're running laps and they're doing sprints and stuff at two o'clock in the afternoon before a night game. And so when, when fans tune in to watch a game, you see the pitchers sitting around eating bubble gum and just kind of goofing around with seeds, right? You think, Oh, so they just sit around. Mm -hmm. They do. I mean, players do more than just sit around between innings. They actually, it's not quite basketball or soccer or the conditioning of football players, but yeah, Miguel Sano might be skipping some of those sessions. Just put it that way. It just sounded or like hitting he, the buffet a little too. It hard. just sounded like like he bulked up quite a bit uh, during the course yes. of the season last year, which is not a positive. Yes. Uh, later on, we will get a scoop from Doogie at twelve thirty ish, and uh, you know the Wild played last night. We haven't talked a lot of Wild or Wolves in the in the last few weeks because football and Super Bowl and Vikings. So let's spend the next two segments on Wolves and Wild, starting with a ranking. That I can't believe. Involving a former Timberwolf. We never learn. Mackie and Judd.